you guys to the quantum shit show this is episode five mm-hmm. and uh this is jody and i'm here with Bo and danny we are so glad to be with you guys hello hi yeah so today we are going to dive into um the toxic culture of the healing community and um <laughs> this is one of those or rather <laughs> rather crawl out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh my gosh. This um this subject is I mean it's as old as time itself honestly. This isn't something new. This isn't something that's just now happening on the scene in, you know, healing communities. Um it's been going on probably since the dawn of man, I'm sure. Um, and just the ways that people react and interact and take advantage of and manipulate and twist and try to grow factions of people and followings and all of this stuff. So we're just going to dive into that today in this conversation. Um, a lot of it based on our own experience and um, which, I mean, what else could we share from honestly, but <laughs> um, sharing from our own experience um, with regard to um I'm going to say the spiritual community, and this is not all encompassing because we haven't connected to every person on the planet that claims to be spiritual, but, you know, a a more um, local spiritual community that we've been, you know, a part of, I guess, for a little while. So, yeah, I, um, for myself, I will say, you know, I grew up in Christianity. I grew up in church. Um, My dad is a pastor even now. And I have seen this kind of toxic culture in pretty much every brand of religion. Um, But I've seen it in business. I've seen it in corporate world. I've seen it everywhere. And, you know, there's all of these different um, aspects to it. But I remember as a kid, um, I remember one of the first things that was so heartbreaking to me as a kid, I was like eight years old. And um, our church was very large in the city that I grew up in. It was one of the fastest growing churches in our city. Mm. And um, I don't even know. I was too young to know the details, but it was the first um, air quotes church split that I ever remember (laughs) like witnessing as a child. And the reason it impacted me so much was because my very best friend who I had grown up with from the time we were about three and four years old, her family something happened. They got crossways. They were over whatever was going on in the church, Mm. you know, and decided they were leaving. And, you know, my parents didn't sit down and talk to us about what was going on. And it was like a mass exodus. It was, it was like a half of the church community that we had at that time. Gosh, I think we were probably up around, you know, 1500 people in our church. So that's a big (laughs) chunk, you know? And so what it did was it like fractured tons of relationships, And at that level, when you get down to like, I mean, I'm a kid and my friends are like telling me they're not going to see me at church anymore like that. And you don't have a social life outside of that, really. So it was like, it was very hurtful. 
but it trickles down so much that most people are just moving and following crowds and they don't even know what's really going on. They're just hearing it from, you know, fifth, sixth party kind of things. And so, you know, those things, it's unfortunate. It happens all over the place. I mean, it happens in our family units, right? So families split, churches split, businesses split, um, online communities split multiple times. It's like almost like you're watching a, a cell reproduce in the womb. It's like <laughs> splitting so many times, but it's um, it's just part of this human process. Unfortunately, I don't think it has to be. I just think that it's part of the toxic culture that gets created in these spaces. And unfortunately in spiritual spaces where healing is supposed to be happening, you know, and there's just more fracturing. And so um, just based on conversations we've had with other people who've brought concerns to us or things that they've witnessed within said community, and I'm using air quotes, um, this conversation felt appropriate. It felt like a good right. time to have it. So, um, yeah. Do y'all have anything you want to say? Is yeah, that- just I think exactly what you're saying. It is quite a timely conversation. And I think that um, even our audience, but I think general audiences, those that aren't quite connected to this just yet, um, <clears throat> have probably experienced a lot of what we'll talk about today. Uh, many times over, just as I know you personally have experienced things like what you described over and over and over, not just in church, like you said, but (laughs) throughout every facet of life, because we just simply don't know uh, what common ground, even if we're trying to come to a common ground, like we've talked about before, bonding through trauma or um, coming together. Let's figure out what we have in common and try to build on that. Like if that's really not sustainable to begin with, this is an inevitability that we're actually seeing made manifest mm-hmm. currently in a lot of different spaces that we're connected to, um, or maybe not even a lot of different spaces, but some of the more influential spaces. And I think that's a little bit of um, the push to, speak about this and just have a conversation just like we would, uh, (laughs) just like we have been, but also just, you know, come to this space, hit record and talk about like, well, what's really going on? Not in just the specific um, dynamics that we've been experiencing personally, but at the energetic core, you know, of what creates some of this fracturing, how we get to a place where we're wondering how we got here. Right. Uh, we really want to kind of, like you said, dive into that or or start to examine it um, just from a from a less charged, less personal, less attached place than how we may be processing whatever's going on personally for ourselves. And then also, I'm sure uh, anyone who shares the space with us will get a little a little seasoning of that as well. You know, <laughs> just like our own personal experience. And I mean, that's what creates our own ability to share that. I mean, if we don't have an experience of something, which I think for, for example, what we're talking about now, many of us do, if not all of us do, if we don't have an experience of something and we start trying to talk about it, uh, it's not really coming from an embodied place. So that's really why we want to have this conversation just to kind of put some words around, put some context around what many people have experienced 
may be feeling um, because especially I can say for myself, like whenever this starts to happen and I'm not directly at the center of whatever is creating it and I feel caught up in the storm of it or I feel like in the whirlwind or the cyclone of it just spinning around and around and all the dust is getting kicked up and the fog hasn't cleared. I'm wondering not only where, where is my place in all of this? What do I have to do with any of this? But I always start being curious about like, <laughs> how is this possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like how, how is it that no matter it, especially like <clears throat> being in a spiritual or healing community, how is it that so much fracturing actually is perpetuated? It's kind of ironic. Right, right, right. Well, and I think too, for some people who are who haven't experienced something like this, who are maybe new to the community, this is the, you know, or maybe they're just now witnessing some sort of like fracturing and they don't really they can sense it, but they don't really know what's going on, right? Um, and I think that it's easy for things like this to get, I'm using air quotes, light washed, because a lot of times people will be like, oh, we've just outgrown each other, or we're going our separate ways, our work has changed. And that may be true, but I think that there is a very specific um, type of toxicity that is sometimes an undertone to this that I think people are not aware of. So I think this is a really important conversation to have. Um, And I'm really glad that we're having it because we've all three of us have been through this a couple times, <laughs> just in this local community that we're in right now. So, um, and I know that people oftentimes have some questions about it. They're afraid to ask them, or they don't know what to look for. They don't really know what's going on. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to to start to expand and dissect and examine this conversation. Yeah, and I want to acknowledge too, Danica, because you know um, we've said this before we started this podcast today, but um, you know, Bo and I have made it a practice because last year, or more a little more than a year ago, he and I went through some insane things in a very, you know, large, I'm going to say large, I mean, a few thousand people that yeah. we were <clears throat> in some way connected to through another relationship. And there was some serious character assassination and, um, all kinds of claims being made, um, and we stayed quiet um, because we just felt like that was the right thing to do. Yeah. And to this day, we've never made public statements about that situation. We've never made public statements about the people who made the accusations. Um, we just felt like God was really covering us through that space. And we were like, God, you know what's real here. You know, like, you know, and we need your support. And in that, I'm not joking. We literally were going through some really difficult things emotionally experiencing all this stuff coming at us and prayed. I remember praying and I was like, God, we need you to show up for us and to let us know if there's something that we need to adjust or fix here because we've done something or misstepped because we, our heart is really in a right place. And it was after that, like shortly after that, that then I think you reached out to Bo and you had witnessed some of these things going on and you were like, Hey, I'm praying for you guys. I hope it's okay. Like, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And it was like, a, it was an immediate answer to the prayer that we had prayed literally probably just two days before you sent that message. And you weren't the only one other people did. Um, which was like, it was, it was, um, very encouraging for us in that moment. Cause we didn't know you, 
you know, we, we really had no personal relationship with you. So it was profound in that moment. And here's what I have to say, because a lot of people bond out of trauma like that, right? A lot of people group together when splits happen and be like, oh, you don't like them. Oh, then I'm with you because we, we all come together. It wasn't like that here in this relationship. And I don't mean to say that it wasn't like that across the board with other people who came into our space, but I'm really grateful that we have been able to build something that has substance. You know, our relationship was allowed to actually create a solid foundation and then go from there, basically. So anyway, it was just an, ex- an interesting experience. And we've stayed quiet a lot when things have happened. And then, you know, I swear this last year of being connected and linked in so many different ways in relationships, we had more splitting, more fracturing going on. And it it was just like, I remember looking at it with Bo and saying like, I wonder if this stuff is just going to be the way that it is for the rest of our life. Or, you know, if there really is, am I like being too idealistic to think that we could actually move into a space where we stop doing this bullshit to each other? You know, I mean, that yeah. it's really been a conversation that we've had. And, <clears throat> and then, you know, I also had to look at where these things were centralized and where they were coming from. And, and if anyone is willing to pay attention, a lot of times you can see that there's like, there is usually a hub. There is usually a place and the characteristics are often the same every time. It doesn't mean the person is always the same, but the characteristics are the same. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this toxic culture. The root word there is cult. And Danica, you had um, (laughs) shared some things around that uh, a while back. And we were all kind of like sifting through massive change that was going on um, in some close relationships. And um, I didn't know if you wanted to share some of that right now, because it's valuable (laughs) in this conversation. In this conversation, it is valuable and valid. And I'm not putting you on the spot, but if you want to. So it's really interesting because... um... I think in situations like this, especially whenever uh, y'all are talking about staying quiet, because we want to, um, it's it's really difficult sometimes to navigate that space between, um, you know, wanting to make people aware of what's going on, feeling like you have a duty or a responsibility um, once you know what's happening to show them, but then also allowing them to um, kind of have their own experience and not try to uh, influence their experience and not wanting to participate in this whole thing that is can usually escalate into cancel culture and start dragging people through the cyber streets and like, you know, digitally stoning them, <laughs> you know, um, cause that's essentially what it is. You know, it's, it, it's like, yeah, it can get crazy. So I understand sometimes the best thing to do is to just kind of practice the pause, um, and just kind of wait it out. And, um, th- this instant that you're talking this instance that you're talking about, Jody, I actually um, had made a post talking about the uh, certain characteristics of um, a cult or, or cult leaders. Mm. And it's funny because it was only up for about five minutes and Bo saw it and he sent me a private message and he was like, hey, <laughs> let's pause. <laughs> And I was I was actually really heated whenever I wrote it. I feel like I wrote it from a a rational place, but I was still reactive and I kind of took Bo's lead and I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you with this. I'm gonna delete it. So I deleted it. Um and I didn't save any of the any of the stuff. So 
However, um, I'm pretty sure that I could perhaps uh, just kind of freestyle here. So um, one of the things that's coming off the top of my head that I see often in this um, particular community is the assigning of identities to people to to have them fill a role in a story, in a narrative, in a fantasy, in a timeline. Um, the assigning of identities in like past or other selves, um, like telling people who they were in other timelines. And, you know, I'm not saying this, like, <laughs> I don't want to say from a guiltless place because I don't feel guilt around it. Right. I don't feel guilty, but I certainly did participate in that at one, at one time. Um, because when I came into this community and I was learning about quantum work, I was shown what quantum work was, but now I've come to a place in my own journey, my own experience where I actually know what quantum work is and it isn't what I was told it was. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this is actually something that we kind of broke down in our last episode, but the assigning of identities is a big one because, um, it actually pulls people out of their bodies. Um, it disembodies them, but that, I feel like that's a different conversation. However, the assigning of identities is actually a manipulation of the um, air quotes healer or leader or practitioner, whatever you want to call them. The person who is supposed to be holding this space for healing is manipulating trajectories um, by assigning roles to people, assigning identities to people um, in these stories or narratives or other timelines or whatever. Um, because essentially it does pull people out of their bodies. It disembodies them from the present, from the now, from who they are now, right? And, um, and <laughs> you would think that something like that wouldn't happen in a healing community because how does that actually heal us? What does it do? And how does it help us now in this moment? And um, I feel like some people could argue that, well, it it makes us more whole. But having had this experience where I had an identity laid over the top of my actual identity as Danica, um, I can tell you right now that it caused more problems in my life, more fracturing in my life than, um, than it facilitated any healing whatsoever. Right. Mm. Right. I, you know, it's so interesting. We just talked about this the other night. We were talking about receiving information and like where we're at. And I was talking to our, our friend, Shannon, who's done like our solstice webinar with us and things like that. And she and I were saying the same things about this whole, um, like coming into a place of like, where is the line? Because we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? We're not like, get rid of all of this. It's all bad. And this is all the way that it is now, right? Those, that's also a toxic um, <clears throat> trauma response. attribute, right? It's a trauma response mm -hmm. that happens in these communities too. And so she's like, I'm, I'm learning to find the line of, you know, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And so, you know, I'm listening to you, Danica, talk about these, uh, personalities, these identities that get laid over in healing communities and stuff. And people adopt things to become a uh, pillar in the community or a staple in the community of like, this is the person you go to for this thing because they are such and such, you know, and they, this is, this is what they have been commissioned to do. This is their role, you know? And <clears throat> what I realized was that it actually shuts people off from even being able to access certain frequencies of information that is beyond where they are. Mm 
And so it's like people can, it's almost like it fries their brain. If you try to bring anything else to them in certain spaces, it's like they can't, they can't access it because they are operating in a frequency of falsity because of that identity that's been falsely overlaid or that they themselves have adopted and are trying to live out in this reality. And we watched it often. There was, there's one particular person that is like, if we brought anything to them in an attempt to explain things that had been shown in the field from a more substantial space, maybe scientific or whatever, is like, if we addressed it in that way, it was like, I can't, I I don't understand what you're saying. God's going to have to show me. God's going to have to show me because I can't receive it like that. And, you know, we were just like, oh, okay. You know, okay, well, we'll let God show you whatever you need to see. But what we started to realize is that that was often the response. If there was anything practical being brought to the table about something that otherwise seemed very airy-fairy, very etheric, and it was like, well, here's here's some actual evidence of what you're describing. But if it was science or something else, or it was from a a, a place that they had not deemed suitable to receive information from, then it was shut down automatically. And I'm like, okay. Well, and it also seems too like <laughs> um, that frequency that that person was uh, existing in, it seems like it isolated them from being able to actually have connections or conversations with people in a grounded way, yeah. like in an embodied way is what it feels like you're describing to me. So <clears throat> it's, it's, this is in a general way, um, exactly what the agenda of artificial intelligence tries to do. Instead of anchoring into what is already organic and what is already true, it does everything that it can to create a new anchor point mm-hmm. around something artificial or synthetic and let that false anchor point become the thing that others can gravitate to or any other level of energy or consciousness can anchor itself into. I mean, for example, think about (laughs) Minecraft. You have like a Minecraft server and anyone who wants to go play Minecraft has a, a database, a server, an anchor point basically, and they can go do whatever they want to. I mean, this is a, this is a single example (laughs) Um, even a relatively small example for some of the other simulated realities that we're actually kind of dancing with on an everyday basis. But, you know, when an individual is trying to do, um, you know, their own sort of Minecraft server and create using stories that have been told, historical figures, uh, they're kind of taking on their value system that's connected to these people, these identities, these structures or systems, and they're using the power that they're giving those things or the power that's been charged into those things. I mean, for example, I mean, look at the Bible as an anchor point for many, uh, (laughs) or even a specific figure in the Bible as being so heavily charged up as a central anchor point in this timeline itself or in this medium Mm -hmm. of the Bible as Mm -hmm. this database, this server, where all of these different storylines, narratives, agendas, power, and Mm -hmm. essence can come from, we can do this as individuals, as people. I mean, if I wanted to hold hard and fast to a specific identity that I felt gave made me more, 
right? It kept me from feeling shame, even for a time, or it made me feel more than the other things in my life made me feel. It made me feel worthy. It made me feel valid, but it's still not anchored in my source. It's still not anchored in God. I can go on and on and on and on, just like you said in one of our episodes before, if it's not built on that organic foundation, it will inevitably crumble. And that's what we're seeing in a lot of these relationships Mm -hmm. is people who have gravitated to a source of energy or source of power that's been artificially created Mm -hmm. by one person or two or more people in agreement. And they're agreeing on roles, identities, um, guardianship over certain responsibilities or certain, um, important roles. I mean, I said roles already, but that's really in essence what it is. They're kind of creating their own family dynamics, the way that serves them as the central anchor point. Mm -hmm. And this is what we see in social media a lot. And this is kind of fracturing that we're talking about is we've, we've done it. I mean, I'll say for myself and even seeing like how Jody and I operate on social media, social media is a big conversation here. Um, because that's where a lot of these communities are actually anchored into. And then eventually, uh, if everything goes according to how a lot of people want, we start meeting up in person, um, just kind of how all three of us have created a relationship. And now our relationship is not anchored in the social media platform. You know, we kind of found something beyond the synthetic, beyond the artificial. But as I was saying is like, whenever, uh, we use social media, it's very easy to take things at face value as they're presented according to however people want to present them. Mm-hmm. And so entire structures <clears throat> of narrative, storylines, communities, power, uh, and value systems can be created in an instant. Mm-hmm. I mean, so easily. Mm-hmm. And this is what a lot of marketing um, in commercialization in Western culture is geared towards, right. you know, even if they want to try to be authentic or not, it's like, let's see what we can put out there to create the image mm-hmm. of value or power or, or importance, or even a need centralized around this. So you're, what we're seeing is, I think this is kind of a, an aspect of what we're talking about, a predatory agenda, but it's not necessarily people trying to be predators and not always even in the same way that I know that that can be a really heavy word right there. Well, yeah, because yeah, because <laughs> it's the same way of talking about leaking energy is most of the time we hear that in the context of to catch a predator. Chris <laughs> It's accurate, though. No, it is. Energetically it is. speaking, this essence or this consciousness um the predator prey is at the core of consumption Mm -hmm. which is the antithesis to creation Mm -hmm. so you know we're inevitably (laughs) going to start talking about um the predator prey or victim victimizer is another way of saying it uh the abuser the abusee this is how cycles and stuff are created basic energetics of this um and I was going on about something, but (laughs) it happens. It happens to the best of us. I said predator and that word held so much charge. I will acknowledge it held so much charge that it kind of like, I already knew that that was going to be a thing that came up today in this conversation and leaky energy talking about what that actually is. And not just 
um, leaky sexual energy, because that's something that we've most likely all heard of in that context. But leaky energy happens um, not just sexually, of course, pretty much anywhere that there's a leak, anywhere that your energy is going that it's happening unconsciously. I mean, that's at the, the real core of what's going mm-hmm. on here. Um, but yeah, I think I was talking about different, there was so much going on because we've had a lot of different conversations like this mm-hmm. and they all start to kind of thread into one. And there is so much to say here. So I'll probably just back off for a second and give <laughs> someone else. This, this might be a longer podcast episode. <laughs> it might be. It's totally the the whole identity thing though it's like <laughs> what it actually does is it entraps people it ensnares them in these other timelines like i said pull them out of their body but it ends up being a type of stockholm syndrome because people get trapped in these places in these quantum places and um most of the time artificial places right but they don't have the uh ability to discern that they're artificial and um, they get stuck with these roles. They wear these roles. They wear them like, you know, they put them on. They wear them around like a coat. And then they defend the person who ensnared them in them because they're playing a role in that person's play in that in that story. And what you were saying, Bo, um, you know, they're creating these dynamics. They're creating these entire, um, like, societal structures among themselves, creating a social group. And that's fine. It's like, I'm at a point where I'm like, let them do it. But also don't call that healing work and don't say God told you to do it. Okay. Right. Okay. This, this is kind of direction that I was going. <laughs> so yeah, perfect. Well, and I, as this is all being said, you know, I'm thinking about the the tactics that get used in these toxic circles, in these toxic places that are being called family, that are being called, you know, soul fam. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, monads. Okay. So then, you know, there's groupthink that happens as a result of all of this, which is a lot of what Bo is sharing. Then there's the demonizing and dehumanizing of anyone else that is no longer in alignment with what my trajectory is. And I'm telling you, I have seen this so much in the last year. Um, It's, it's shocking. You know, it's like to just automatically, if you're crossways with someone, and here's the thing, the things that we've witnessed in the last year of people like, you know, relationships being split apart and stuff like that. There were many instances where one particular person made a decision about a relationship. And then because they themselves have terrible boundaries, they don't have any fucking integrity then they were going and saying things about people that they had chosen to be out of relationship with in other places that are weak-minded, that are looking to that person for guidance. And then those people are making choices and saying things and it, it becomes an infection. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes um, <clears throat> this virus that spreads throughout spaces where people don't have the wherewithal to think for themselves. And that's what's dangerous because listen, there are so many people in this community that are teaching courses that are holding session work and hold sway with people and they are misusing their influence. And that is a fucking problem. It is toxic behavior. And that's what Bo's talking about, leaky energy and things like that. It's where people who are in places of leadership do not hold themselves to a level and a standard of accountability 
or integrity, and they go and put things in other people's spaces that those people cannot hold. It's not theirs to hold. And they do it to rally people to their cause because they themselves are dealing with so much trauma that they have not addressed. And it just continues to split and divide and fracture. And it's it's immature. Yes, it's very toxic. And this is happening right now. This stuff is happening right now, you know? Well, and it's so manipulative as well. And emotional dumping, I feel like, is one of the tactics that is used to create this type of um, environment that you're talking about, Jody. And um, <clears throat> it really violates boundaries. It dishonors the boundaries of others, but it starts to change dynamics. So people like you're talking about in positions of leadership um, who may have students and then they confide in their students, they, they dump into their space as if it were really vulnerability, but it really is kind of a false vulnerability. It's not really like really vulnerable, right? It's um, it's not authentic vulnerability. It's manipulative because they're not asking permission if they can be in that person's space. They're not asking if they have the space to hold what they're, you know, uh, they're not being like forthright or forthcoming about what they're about to say or do. They just kind of dump into their space. And I've been a witness to this. I've had it also happen to me. Um, and this is a, a really a conversation around boundaries too, but the um the emotional dumping is is a form of ma- manipulation and i see it used all the time and because especially when it's coming from a person in a position of air quotes leadership and it's being directed at an air quotes student um or an acolyte right. <laughs> it um as you call it jody uh it will actually make the student feel special and worthy or like, you know, and so it actually manipulates their boundaries. It manipulates their entire field because they're like, Oh, my teacher's confiding in me. We have a special relationship. You know, I I had a guy that I worked for um, a few years ago and um, Bo and I were talking about it because it was in personal development. And this guy, um, he, he's just a wheeler dealer. I mean, he is a salesman through and through. He was facilitating self-development courses and stuff. And, um, the way that we came into relationship with each other, I had taken his course. And then he was like, I want you to work for me. And I was still in all my wounds, still trying to like process what I was going to do with my life and all this stuff. And he just knew how to say the right things to me that tapped on vulnerabilities and wounds in me. And, um, yeah, he, it was, it was predatory. It was absolutely predatory. And, um, I take responsibility as well for the part that I played in, you know, letting myself be lured into those spaces. I ultimately ended up cutting that relationship off because I was like, this is enough. Like the manipulation is so high. I cannot do this anymore. But I mean, he would buy me gifts. He would, um, take me out, take me to dinner. Let's go shopping and let's do this and let's do that. And, um, I recently was talking to Bo about it and he's like, I want to see a picture of this guy. And I'm like, let me see if I can pull it up. Cause I, I don't have a connection with him on social media at all anymore. And I was on YouTube searching for him and a video came up and it's recent. It's in the last six months. And he had done a podcast with some woman who was interviewing him about his work that he does in personal development. And no joke, the whole time he's like, He's like, well, I'm so happy to meet you. You're my new best friend and you're this and you're that. And I just looked at Bo. I said, this is what he does. This is what they do. (laughs) They make people feel special from jump. 
and you're my new best friend. We're going to talk about everything. Oh my God. And I would have totally invited you to this conversation before. If I had known you then, you would have been my friend then. And it was just like, and this woman was just falling into his hands, like putty, you know, she was just like, hmm. oh my gosh, you know, yeah. I, I definitely want. And he's like, and you, and you want these things for your life, don't you? And you want this. It was just like the techniques and the things that I'm just sitting there watching it. And I'm like, oh my God. And then of course now it's so easy to see. But at the time, it was just like you get you get entranced, you know, you become spellbound in that space. And watching that happen with people is disheartening because it often happens where people are still working through their own traumas and their own wounds. And that's what we've been witnessing in this culture, this community. Um, is that people that are um, in places of, I'm going to say power, but I don't even mean true power. I just mean they're in places where people have given them a place of power right. in their lives. And they're being allowed to speak into their lives. They're being allowed to prophesy in their lives. They're being allowed to tell them what they think their life is supposed to be, who they're supposed to be with, who they're supposed to be partnered with. Mm. Um I mean, the things we've seen, witnessed, heard, and then had even come back to us in the last two months, it's literally jaw-dropping, some of the things that I have witnessed and then even gotten back. And so it's just these toxic ways that people who are not healed and have not allowed themselves to heal their own trauma continue to perpetuate trauma on other people. And they do it through, it looks very um, guru-like you know, and they don't have time to connect with everybody. You know, they're not going to message everybody back. They're not going to interact and they don't have the energy for all of that. You know, you need to contact me through this. It, it's just like, yeah, there's a lot that I could sit here in this space and I'm sure it will get said, but um, I think that us even getting to say as much as we've said right now in this space has just been the result of, or the, the culmination of all of these other little micro conversations that are happening in these spaces where people are truly going, what is going on or what happened or it doesn't feel right or something's off and I'm hearing this and I, you know, engaged with this information and it doesn't feel right. And so, yeah, I, it's, this is never an easy thing to talk about because of what we've already said and, and the desire to not harm people you know, and not bring harm by just spewing everything in a space, you know, but um, the the manipulative predatory behavior, the demonizing and the dehumanizing of people, these are the traits and things that we have witnessed over and over and over again. Yeah. So you said something earlier, uh, Jody. Uh, basically about like manufactured connections. Um, I'd really love to go that direction because I see that often in this um, community as well. Just like, um, you know, practitioners telling people who they think their beloved is or that they have a connection with this sort of person based on their codes and all of, all of that. But ultimately manufactured connections are manipulative, mm -hmm. like point blank. You are manipulating alliances between people, creating them and manufacturing them. So it, it is artificial. When people do that, it's meddling, it is manipulative. And 
It is not how God operates. Because here's the thing. If God needs us to make a move in our life, then let's have some respect for people's process. And let's start guiding them back to a deeper relationship with God rather than letting ourselves be in the place where God should be in people's lives, trying to tell them this or that, do this, do that. This is where you need to be. That's where you need to be. This is who you need to be with. That's who you need to be with. That is just so out of pocket. I cannot even begin to describe how it makes me feel to hear these things. And, um, you know, this is this, I, I don't think that, well, I don't know. I don't know that this happens everywhere in the spiritual community, but there is a centralized place within this community that this has been going on for a while. And until recently, I didn't know how, uh, what's the right word, um, how viral it was. I didn't know how much it had been spreading from this one center point, but you know, there's, you know, somebody in the community that has had all this influence and all this stuff and teaches and does session work and then come to find out they've literally been matchmaking over and over and over again with people. And guess what? Do you know how many of the matches have come to be? Zero matches. Zero. But people are hung up on this because someone said, I think this is the person you're supposed to be with. Um, and so it's just been like learning that or, or even becoming aware that that has been happening. And it's so harmful to people. It's so harmful. Mm -hmm. Um, and thinking to myself, like, Oh my God, people are living lives thinking someone said that this was not, you know, where I'm supposed to be, or I'm supposed to be somewhere else in my life than other than where I am. And I'm not. And so what do I do with that? And it's just like, this is very bad behavior. You guys, (laughs) It's infuriating because (laughs) I feel like I bring this up all the time. I've probably said it uh, at least once in every single podcast episode, but when we look outside of ourselves for direction, um, it's one thing to, to look for guidance. When you're being guided or coached through something on your own, it's completely different than someone literally prophesying over you, like you said, Jody, or speaking a narrative over you or telling you who you are or telling you where you're supposed to be, telling you what your codes are and what your gifts are and telling you who you're supposed to be with and where your place in the world is. Like, no, nobody gets to tell you that. Exactly. And you don't get uh, financial advice from your broke cousin and you don't get relationship guidance from a single fucking person. Okay. You don't see someone who's not in a quote unquote union tell you what yours is supposed to be. Right. This is common sense. You guys, I, I know I'm going to get fiery about it, but it's just like, I am so blown away at the level at which there is like a vacancy in people that allows someone else to speak into their life. And that message creates a a spin out, if you will, of like this hurricane, you know, in in their life where it's like total chaos, you know, and it's not, it's not making them feel more whole. It is making them feel uh, less engaged. It's making them feel less capable. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think um, I'm noticing a common thread and there is like a core energetic thing that happens here that can lead to all of these different things that we're describing. I mean, these are personal experiences that we have had um, 
being described, but also I'm sure that many people who listen to this have experienced something like this and uh, either are experiencing something directly connected to this specific circumstance or can fill in the blanks in their own ways. Like uh, what is that little thing called um, back in the day that you could get at the book fair? And it was like, you could order the little book and the pamphlet and it had a story, but you could fill in all the blanks on your own. Oh, Mad Libs. Mad Libs. (laughs) Yeah. You could literally Mad Lib this shit because it's basically the same energetic formula that's carrying no matter what the, the blank is asking for you to fill in. We can fill it in with our own personal circumstances. So the way that I see it, and I think that um, naturally I would see it from this angle because this is the majority of the work that I've done for myself in my own personal healing journey. Um, but I'm referring to specifically the masculine essence. Mm-hmm. And men and women all carry that masculine energy um, as a part of their basic creative anatomy. And I always refer to it as a vase that holds the water. And if at any point, as we, I'm sure all have well seen, if that vase breaks or it has a crack in it, then the water will start to pour through. Mm -hmm. And this isn't to show like how flow happens or whatever, but this is to (laughs) highlight how leaks actually happen or how leaky energy is created. Because like I was saying earlier, these dynamics, these relationship dynamics, um, such as predator, prey, victim, victimizer, uh, leaks, they all come from leaks in the masculine energy because the expression represent like the feminine energy represented as expression or what's, what's being created is directly connected to the structure that either holds it together while it's creating or gives it the guidance system as it's flowing. So what's happening here is people, <laughs> men and women, who have wounding or fracturing at some level in their masculine essence, still trying to connect with one another because that's what we need. I mean, how many times have I made decisions um, without anyone's input and then actually decided to get uh, my community to like, see, what do you guys think? What's your feedback? Can I get some, like Danica was saying, some guidance Um, and then ended up making a different decision than the really short fused trajectory that I was headed down, like making Mm -hmm. a different decision based on bringing other people into my process. We're not saying like, don't do that. Like Danica said, like, don't not have support or guidance or friendships or relationships. But whenever our masculine wounding goes unaddressed, and we start trying to build communities or have relationships with one another, inevitably these leaks are going to start happening because what the masculine energy does is create a structure and it sets a standard where we can come to an agreement on how we're going to interact. It is the law in that sense and not in the inverted laws of crime and punishment or the things that we may have been in personally victimized or traumatized by in this plane, this reality, this world. But the specific formula that governs harmonic coexistence 
that's what divine masculine energy is. So whenever we have been basically ripped away from uh, the connection that we have to our own divine masculine energy through relationship, I mean, it can be called Holy Mother, Holy Father, the masculine feminine. Um, that's kind of how in our work we look at it. But whenever we've been disconnected from our own masculine energy or the things in this life that represent what that is in wholeness, we lack a sense of safety coming from that fractured structure in our masculine because the masculine holds the law that governs harmonic interaction. So in essence, it provides the safety that's needed to have these wholesome organic relationships or even navigate conflict or disagreement or misalignment. So whenever enough people or even just a single person or two people have this wounding going on that's unaddressed, they're having leaks, they're not having all their needs met on some level. And so instead of relying on God, which that's not even an option uh, whenever it comes to wounds, if we're not connected to what is organic for us, what is whole, we start to reach, like Danica said, outside of ourselves, or maybe you said it, babe. Danica. Yeah. Danica said it. It's like we start to reach outside of ourselves to fill these needs. I mean, this is where co- the, the core of codependency, this is the core of addiction, this is the core of, um, you know, depression. And we don't have to go into a, a hyper-independent state where, where we're not relying on anything outside of ourselves like omitting relationships or um, burning things down because we're trying to have a relationship with God. We don't have to do that. There can be balance, but the focal point here is in the masculine wounding, our direct wounding with, from what we've seen, our own parents or father figures more specifically. So whether our father was in our life or not, that creates a trajectory for us. And yes, we can eventually move outside of that, but only until we confront or face whatever imprint that has actually created in our lives. So this is something that, you know, I dive into in my own work in a men's group. um, But even in the work previously, like private session work or whatever, I'm seeing it over and over. And through my own healing journey is like (laughs) my relationship with my own masculine energy or the thing that gives me safety, the thing that makes me feel safe, the thing that makes me feel like I have something to rely on that can hold what I'm bringing to the table, whether it's pain, whether it's anger, whether it's joy, you know, this is what God is. Mm -hmm. It is the container that can truly hold us. And something you said, Danica, that's so important is having this clarity in masculine energy also sets the standard in each one of our relationships. Those are called boundaries. So we have different defined boundaries in every single relationship that we engage in. Whatever it is, person to person, there's going to be some congruencies, some similarities, but there's going to be a very specific designed to how we interact with with one another and we come to agreement i mean uh figuratively speaking i mean um like hypothetically speaking in a healthy relationship two people agree or even in a toxic relationship two people are agreeing to have some kind of interaction which is why they say a relationship is only as healthy as its sickest 
member or it's, it's most toxic member. We come to an agreement or a coherence to have specific interactions. So whenever you're having a, a community of people that are based around a, a lead figure that is representing a guidance point or a guidance system or a student coming to the teacher. And I know we can both be students and teachers. Mm -hmm. Those are interchangeable, but whenever, especially in a private container where there's a monetary exchange being asked and then an energetic exchange being required between the two, they set the rules. The masculine energy sets the tone for how this is going to go. And if there are things that are being unaddressed, there may be stability in the beginning. But for example, between a student and a teacher or uh, the one who brings to the table what they're experiencing to be held by the other, leaks happen whenever those roles get reversed. Mm -hmm. Just like between a parent and a child. Yep. How much of our individual wounding actually boils down to we had to be our parents' parents. Because the masculine energy was fractured. So either the feminine had to step in and adopt that in whatever way it could be, or the structure collapsed and chaos ensued. And us as children took on the responsibility of, in whatever way we could, providing that structure. Because we felt unsafe. This is the same thing that's happening. And it doesn't matter. We've been given extreme examples of what predatory energy actually looks like because it does show up for, for many of us in that way. But this can happen very subtly and it always happens subtly first. Right. So it, before getting to this massive fracturing in a community at large, it happens subtly in interpersonal relationships where people are not holding themselves to the standard that they agreed upon holding themselves to, yep. which is where it gets personal, which is why these things actually hurt <clears throat> because we put our trust in these agreements. So we all feel it. And that's like Danica, you said like people are picking up on it because they're agreeing to be in a specific relationship with a community presence. That's promising them something. Well, that's, promising them something because they're putting information out that says, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. But then away from that public space, this is how I deal with my interpersonal relationships. There's leaks, there's cracks. I'm a leaky person. I share things in places I shouldn't be sharing them, exactly. you know? And so it's, it is discombobulating because, you know, people do, you're, you're exactly right. They rely on us or anyone to, to live up to, the persona that they're projecting in those uh, social media places. Well, and that's where it can get sticky, right? Because we have this, um, like leaders in this community, right? They, they present themselves as a certain way, but then behind closed doors, they act completely different. But then we, it gets sticky when people are like, well, I'm a human. I'm still in a process. I'm healing too. Just give me grace. So there's this whole conversation around accountability and really, um, <laughs> matching the way that you're presenting yourself, like not just talking the talk, but also walking the walk. There's a, there's a 
is discongruence the type of, is that the word I'm looking for? There's a discongruence. If not, I just made it up. That's happening. <laughs> that's happening here because, um, yes, we do want to have grace with people through their, uh, you know, through their journey and understand that they're going to falter and make mistakes. But if it's something that's consistent, there's, there's something that's, there's something that needs to be assessed here, right? Because if it's a consistent happening, this isn't just, you know, <laughs> we don't just give grace and perpetuity without, you know, asking for accountability or correction or that you begin to actually, um, you know, speak with your actions rather than your words. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so big too, because accountability is one of those um, traits of the masculine architecture that helps create safety. Because accountability is like a full spectrum, taking a full spectrum, taking responsibility for what is yours in the with the intention to grow and change and come back into wholeness. So you can't just say, "Yeah, I did that because you because I wanted to," or what. It, that's not accountable. You know, just acknowledging what's been done or your role in something doesn't make you accountable. It comes with the intention of doing something about it or creating a change. And I think Jody said this, but it was in the same conversation around grace and accountability is that they go hand in hand. And you can't really provide grace unless there is full accountability uh, from every party involved. Otherwise, it's just tolerance. And tolerance doesn't always mean good. <laughs> you know, tolerance isn't like we talked about in one of the first episodes is like, you have compassion, but then compassion with without law and structure or accountability, that just becomes tolerance. Well, and I think too, this is where tolerance kind of teeters into the realm of negligence. Because at that point, it's like, are you are you tolerating it? Or are you just neglecting the fact that it's happening and ignoring it? Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that brings up also to like something that each of us have navigated through any sort of experience like this is like, what do we say? Where do we say? When do we say? How much? Right. And that's been something that I learned being in a relationship with Jody because she's had a lot of experiences like this, and and. I was in a community for a while where it was like, just say everything, like just say everything, no matter what it is, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And then realizing that honesty is basically determining how we're feeling at any given moment. And it can still carry a lot of toxicity mm -hmm. just in the name of being honest. So we started to, it's like that example that you gave at the beginning of this conversation was like, what it last year, our silence was counterintuitive in the sense of what our pain wanted us to do. Mm -hmm. There were so many things being done on public forums already without us even touching it, that it was almost going to like throw gasoline on the fire just to speak up publicly. So we had our conversations privately and we were si silent in a, on the public platform. And I think that's been similar to how we thought this was going to go, mm -hmm. which is uh, at this point, and I said this to Danica right before we had this episode, is the thing that she wrote, the post that she made where I reached out and said, well, you know, maybe it's a little pointed or maybe it's too soon, too fresh. <laughs> These are the exact things that we're saying now. What she wrote. Oh. So, you know, maybe it was a pause in that moment, but 
each situation is navigated differently. And then at these micro levels where these fractures are happening in private spaces Mm -hmm. and the leaks are happening Mm -hmm. and people are going and feeling they're preying on others Mm -hmm. in an energetic sense to fill needs that they're not actually filling with God and their relationship with God. Although stamping God on all the work, Mm-hmm. All the work I'm doing is in the name of God, and I have made these decisions because God told me to do that. Jody says it all the time. She, we won't argue God with somebody. You know, no. if you're like God told me to do this, it's like okay. You know, it's just kind of like <laughs> conversation sh- over <laughs> shutting other people down and their ability right. to like give feedback. Um, and sometimes there's a need for that, but in this particular situation, when harm is being done, like Danik's talking about, it's like. What is the balance between where we speak up publicly or share um, or or stay silent? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that it's different for each situation. Right. Just like with this one is like we've stayed silent for fucking long enough mm-hmm. and we've watched the harm continue to be done. And I think that's happened for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that um- – I find benefit in actually taking the pause. So I'm glad that you told me to, <laughs> to maybe uh, pause on that post because I feel like now we're coming to it from a place of um, being less reactive. We're more kind of grounded, but I think it also gave us the opportunity to, to really see that um, the harm that's being done, we gave it an opportunity to be uh, addressed and corrected and it's just not. So, um, so now we're at a place where, you know, we do want to speak on it and, we are we're social creatures we we want to have fellowship with people we want to be part of community um and i'm kind of circling back around to what i was talking about before around um because i've been holding this thought in my head and now it's just coming out and it's like we're not even on that subject anymore (laughs) (laughs) what i was saying is like we 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 want to be part of a community and um Oh my God, I lost it. Go ahead. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. Well, whenever it comes, just like say just it. Just interrupt. Yeah. And, just interrupt and say it because yeah. I'm sure it's very valuable to this conversation. Um, what I wanted to just say really quick is, and I and I say it's really quick. I hope that it is, but it's like I really wanted to just help people identify, um, very very clearly what these things are and how it happens. Like there is a natural progression. And I'm saying this because of experience in myself, but then witnessing it in other people. And it's like the progression is the same. That whole predatory thing that happens that creates that leaky space is usually how it starts off is we get lured in to interaction or conversation with someone we admire. And it starts off with them praising us in some way or saying, you know, sharing bits of their life with us that make us feel like our ability to hold space for them is, you know, like solidifying some level of our importance. And so it's all about boosting pieces of us and parts of us that make us feel special, that make us feel important, that make us feel like we're being seen. So it starts with like praise or, you know, where if you have ever been in a situation where somebody that you admire starts to engage with you and it starts to make you feel a certain way about yourself, that is a moment to take notice. 
Because that's that guru programming, that celebrity is, programming. It is worship <laughs> programming because from there, it's only going to go downhill. I promise it will. Now, it will look really great along the way, but it's going to end up leading to something that doesn't uh, keep us whole. Yeah, it takes more than it gives. Right. And so it starts there. It starts with like little, little things like they connect with you in DMs or they, you know, they text you or they're like, yeah, let's talk. And, you know, we have so much in common. They do it. It's so many different things or you're so powerful in this way and you have all of this to offer. And it, if you're wounded and you have trauma that you haven't dealt with, believe me when I say one little blurt of praise in your space can absolutely turn you on in a way that's like, oh my God, you know, this person likes me. They, they want to share time with me. They want to tell me things about them. And so mm -hmm. it starts like that. And so then what happens is that crack starts to get bigger and bigger so that the leak begins to happen as they begin to share things in your space that you feel like, oh my God, they're calling me, asking me for my opinion. They're calling me, asking me for my advice. They're messaging me to ask them with this grid work. They're messaging me, asking them to help them in the field. They, I want me to pray for them. They want this. I'm telling you, it happens so subtly. And it starts to build this thing in people that's like, I must be important to this person. And it's all playing on wounds. That's all it's doing. It's very manipulative. And then from there, you know, if they, if they get to the point where they start assigning you a specific role in their life, I can't tell you how many times little things would get said in our space. I was like, you're such a lifesaver. This is who you are to me. This is what you are. You're so powerful. You do this thing. You do that thing. And it's like, if you don't have a good grasp of yourself, that shit will inflate you so fast. You'll be off the planet in two seconds. You'll be floated. I I remember what I was going to say right whenever you said that. Okay. <laughs> so I was talking about how we're social creatures. Like we do want fellowship. We want to be a part of a community. But when there's someone who's central to a certain social group or a community that's telling people who they are and assigning roles to them, it's molding and shaping the community. But a community is based on the individual, right? The individuals make up the community. And if we're not solid in who we are or... <laughs> we're capable of being molded, we we don't really hold the community, right? The community really shifts and molds into what that central pillar or that person wants it to be. And then it's not really a community anymore. It's a cult. It's a mob. Um, and I've talked about this before, how individualism must preface collectivism. The sovereignty of the individual is a preface or a prerequisite for free societies. If we want a thriving and diverse community or collective, we first have to focus on the individual and who we are. And no one can tell us who we are other than us through our relationship with God. So we really have to focus on ourselves. But my point was whenever people start telling people who they are in the community, it's not really a community anymore because they're taking the individual away from the community and they're creating a faction, mm -hmm. a mob, a you know, a cult mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing about that. We had this conversation, I think the other day in some small way, this came out in the conversation and it was about this. It was about that assignment that you do this and you do this, and this is what you are in charge of. And this is what you're called to bring forward. And this is how we all operate with each other and all of this. And I think the question back was, well, how does that person know who's here to do what? 
you know. And I said, well, because God, because God told them. <laughs> them, they'd say, well, God has shown this to me. I saw it in the fields. I did this. I did that. And by the way, I happen to know that I'm the head of the angelic family here on the planet. So it is my job to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. This is li- this has happened, y'all. And it's happened with people that I think your jaw would drop on the floor if you knew. Yeah, it's probably happened with a lot of people. <laughs> right. And so this goes into savior complex. Right more toxic traits that create these toxic cultures in healing communities. And, you know, in looking at what you're saying, Danica, and even at the little brief little, um, oh, what's the word for it? Um, evolution of how these fractures happen and how this toxicity permeates the entire community. Um, after they've assigned roles and after they've, you know, tried to help people feel important in certain spaces where they can serve a purpose or an agenda held by a person or a group of people, then beyond that, if anyone stands against that narrative, if anyone stands against that belief and that group think, then those people automatically get demonized. Well, you're blaspheming the name of God and the word of God and the instruction of God. (laughs) Well, and this is actually a really good segue into dehumanization because that's something that I've seen a lot. <laughs> I hate to say it. I see it often in this particular community. And um, so just a, a quick story. I had someone come to me and uh, <laughs> really just dump in my space. I didn't ask anything about it, but they told me, you know, oh, I was in the fields and I saw that such and such person has no organic consciousness. And for me, that just like lit me up. I was like, now hold on a second. I was like, and this particular person that they were talking about, it was like, I don't particularly like, you know, have a conversation with this, uh, I mean, a relationship with this person. I don't enjoy having conversations with them and they're not a person that I want in my space. However, just because I don't you know, I don't dislike them, but just because I don't want to have a relationship with this person doesn't mean that I would ever go around dehumanizing them and being like, well, they don't have organic consciousness. Because then at that point, you can literally justify anything if you feel like they're not human, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but this person that I'm talking about who is a leader in this community was basically like, well, they have no organic consciousness. And I was like, uh, that's a dangerous road to go down. That's a slippery, slippery slope because as soon as you start dehumanizing people, um, you can justify any anything, and you can just you can use this work to justify any behavior. Exactly. And so it's it, it's really a scary thought when you think about it. And we're in a healing community. <laughs> how much healing has gone on, and how much of what we've experienced is delusion and psychosis. <laughs> Exactly. I'm telling you, it's like that, that part of dehumanizing people, it's the telltale that there's trauma, that you're dealing with a traumatized person who hasn't learned how to even approach conflict resolution within the, themselves. And it's like, bingo, that's the one thing I see so much of is like, once they become crossways with someone or they decide someone is no longer serving their purpose for them in their narrative, the person gets demonized. And then they throw words around to other people and say things like, you know, I, I'd be careful contacting them because you, you might get dark attacked, you know, being in their space, you know, um, I don't know about their work, you know, you might want to check your field after being, and it's like, they start doing this crap to people and it is fear. 
fear tactics get used and they start saying this thing and that thing. And this person is this and this person that I've seen it happen so many times. And I mean, what's come up recently is we had someone reach out to us a couple of months ago who got preyed on by someone in this spiritual community that is a teacher in this community. And this person has done work with us and they were being told to stay away from us. And it was, it was discombobulating them because it was like, I don't know, like I haven't had these experiences. I don't have any negative experience at all in their space. And they were being warned off of us. Um, and it, it literally jumbled them so badly. And, um, they reached out and, and we connected and Bo and I, you know, are never going to sit in a space and be like, well, don't believe them. They're a liar. You know, it's like, we're just going to be with people and be like, listen, you know, this is why we teach you to have a relationship with God and why it's so important. You're going to have to rely on God right now in this space. We know what's true here for us, but it's important for you to know what's true for you. Right. And we can't tell you what that is. We can only be who we are in this space. And the result of all of that was the person, you know, was able to reconnect themselves with God in a way that was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, a lot more transpired in the other and the other interaction that blew this person's hair back. Like it was like the things I've heard, the things that have been said, you know. And so I think it's just um, it's a really shitty practice. Honestly, and that's just as blunt as I can be about it, mm -hmm. to go around trying to invalidate people, um, invalidate what people do say or bring in an attempt to win people over to your side. It's very, it's very elementary school, you know? And that's what's come back. Our direction is like it's from different places too that aren't even joined or aren't even connected. It's like, you know, our relationship has been invalidated. Um, apparently there are no sacred unions on the planet. There's one person who's waiting to get theirs. And then once they get theirs, then everybody else will be allowed to have their own divine union. I mean, crazy things like that. And this is part of the demonizing of, you know, people and what they bring forward in an attempt to slander and to, um, create doubt and to sow seeds of divisiveness in a community that we say we're here for the purpose of healing. And um, it's, it's terrible, you know, and, and it only brings harm. And ultimately it brings harm to the places where those things are being originated. You know, ultimately that stuff always falls apart, but along the way, when people have no real understanding or idea and they don't know what to look for, these are the flags to look for. You know, the things I've already said to you, the things we've talked about today, these are the red flags. You need to be paying attention to these red flags. If this is happening in your space, um, you know, when you're working with people, when you're engaging with people, do you leave those spaces feeling empowered? Do you leave feeling um, more connected to God than you ever have? Do you leave feeling encouraged or are you leaving feeling more confused, more discombobulated, you know, um, more afraid or you know, more unsure? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are yeah. just these are just things to be looking at because I, it's like what you said, Tanika, everybody wants to be connected. We want to be a part of something. We want to be held in a space that's um, unified, you know, truly, but it's mm -hmm. going to require something of us individually. Exactly. And then coming together with people who are of the same um, 
agreement of like what their foundation is, what they value and all of that stuff. So that's, that's really, I think Mm -hmm. a big part of this whole thing too, is bringing it back to doing like our own work. (laughs) And I remember being a lot, a part of a, a lot of conversations where that was the focus. And I think that that is still like a good focal point here as far as like, I mean, the only reason that I would be able to spot uh, somebody who is acting in a victimizing way or an overbearing, tyrannical, authoritarian, manipulative, uh, predatory, whatever. The reason that I could recognize those distortions now is because I've seen them and had to get seriously honest with myself about my own wounding. And about the behaviors that those things going unaddressed, those needs, like we talked about, like going unmet, perpetually create that unconscious beast consciousness that overrides, um, but still subliminally, subconsciously overrides our entire life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's really, whenever I got sober, it was like, dude. My entire way of being was parasitic. I mean, I, I like really anchored uh, nothing in for myself. I mean, I was in drug addiction, alcoholism. That was a pretty severe example, you know, but bless you. But then I started to learn about my codependency, which was like more of an underlying uh, distortion that was going on. And it all came from feeling like, and then I started doing inner child work. Bless you. And then started noticing everywhere. Holy shit. My entire life is a series of events where my needs have gone unmet in one area or another. And that steered the direction of where I went next, because that was such a, a powerful over overdrive, uh, that's what keeps us in fear response, survival mode, all this reptilian brain sort of interaction. And it's like everywhere that I went was um, to get my needs met. You know, mm-hmm. everything that I did was subconsciously a way to try to meet my own needs. And that drove me into a really parasitic, vampiric way of living. And, you know, getting sober was like I started to, to, to cultivate my connection with God or to understand that energetic dynamic within myself. And I think that it's imperative. Mm -hmm. It has to be done for each person. Otherwise we still have these leaks being created from unconscious spaces where our masculine structure is not anchored or um, our feminine uh, energy is not actually being sustained in a way that we're having our needs provided for uh, on a multidimensional level and a multidimensional way. This is a quantum shit show. You guys, we're not just going to talk about, (laughs) food, water, shelter, we're talking about the need to be validated, the need to feel loved, the need to, to, to feel seen, not just be seen, but feel it. That's a need that we have. And if that goes unmet, then we're going to, you know, get, start looping in attention seeking behaviors and yada, yada, yada. This is kind of the basics, but these basics fundamentally Uh, are required for us coming back into wholeness, understanding them. And these are the things that people end up bypassing whenever they start getting enough people around them to make them feel good about themselves or to, to uh, 
rely on the story, mm-hmm. giving them the power. Because what we've seen is this story is crumbling. These stories are crumbling. And of course, through the AI agenda, we're seeing a lot of different avenues and solutions being offered on a, on a global scale for people to plug themselves into to meet needs that aren't being met already. It's the same agenda that is, uh, like you say, as old as time. But what we're seeing in this social community that we are all connected to is like these narratives that have held that have been the glue for relationships is coming undone. Mm -hmm. They're crumbling. And so people are struggling more than ever with their identities and they don't know where to turn. They don't have something stable. They don't have something solid because the, the people that they've been coming to to help them anchor in what is solid have been providing false anchor. Right. I've mean, been leaky. Yeah. I mean, they've been at last minute on, on minor interactions, flipping the roles, you know, like whenever the, the person who's holding the container goes to each of the people who are participating in that container and starts, like Danica said, dumping and uh, emotionally dumping as in, no, we have a friendship here, but it's like, no, but you guys agree. There's like a code of ethics basically mm-hmm. to keep this shit clean. Mm-hmm. And it leaves these people who are not able to really hold that and not able to really be supported in holding their boundaries together. Uh, it leaves them feeling violated. It leaves yeah. them feeling empty. It leaves them feeling taken from mm-hmm. and confused, not knowing what to do. Just the same as we all feel if we've been violated in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, not just in the extreme examples of being violated like we've heard about before with leaky energy and predator-prey dynamics. This happens subtly. It's so subtle. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not like you're going to blatantly go, oh, this person is a tyrant and I know to stay away from that. Like there's behavior that you're going to look and go, that's narcissistic behavior. I'm not going to participate. But a lot of this happens with big doe-eyed, you know, gentle, sweet, (laughs) you know, they're so pure kind of people. And it's like, those are the words that get used to describe these people that are using manipulative tactics in spaces where they haven't addressed their own wounds and their own need to heal. And um, yeah, that's what creates the toxic environment. That's what it is. Yeah. I think that we let a lot slide too, because we want to naturally believe in, you know, the best of people. And when people do something that we, we feel like we don't want to participate in, we will, we'll let it slide, you know? And it's often sometimes an all or nothing type thing where we feel like we're in order to have a relationship with someone, we have to be in agreement or in alignment with everything that they do. And that's just not the case. And, um, and I think a lot of this comes back to conflict resolution, or even just boundaries, because we can be in relationship with someone or friends with someone or in a certain type of dynamic with someone and also set a boundary with them and be like, you did this. I'm not going to participate in that. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to negate all of the other stuff, right? So we can do that. And I think we just don't. I think that there's a level of negligence here or tolerance that we we kind of just let a lot of this slide. And it's so interesting because in indigenous communities back in the day, back in the day, when there were healthy, thriving uh, communities based on healthy individualism, when someone um, would like go to war and they would experience like human carnage or something like that, they would come back into the community and the community would kind of um, 
coach them through their trauma, right? But that's because the individuals of the community, of, of this thriving community, they were firm in who they are. They were firm in their boundaries. They were firm in the agreements of the whole dynamic of the community. And what we're seeing now is when we're not grounded in who we are, when we don't have a healthy level of individualism, we can't contribute to the community. So when someone comes in and we're a collective of traumatized individuals who are not <laughs> effectively like, you know, um, really healing or alchemizing this trauma and someone comes in and they start trying to create a community in which they feel safe and based on their trauma, they, it really is very much of a one bad apple ruins the bunch type of thing. It kind of poisons the well, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that if we could get back to our personal relationships with God, not only will we untraumatize ourselves through alchemy with the relationship with God, but it's going to trickle out into our collective, into our community so that when someone does come and tries to violate these agreements that we've made within in this community, tries to violate these dynamics, tries to violate these boundaries yeah. that we have collectively agreed upon, we hold the line. Yes. And we say no, you know, and not no because I don't like you and not know you're cast out to the fringes of the collective, but let me and let us hold you as a collective and let's move through this. Right. right. You know? Yes. Oh my gosh. So good, Danica, because I'm telling you, it's like you and I have been talking about this because we're getting ready to leave this women's collective from this space, from this very space, because I'm telling you right now, the level of fracturing that has happened in these communities is held, is instigated by people who are unwilling to be accountable for themselves and who leak and who um, let things come out of them that are harmful to others. And it's like, you know, what I've seen is people go, like I said, and they share things in spaces and they don't address things. It's like what you're talking about. The communities have an agreement. The community has an agreement. This is how we handle things. This is how we interact with each other. This is how we keep ourselves whole. And you set uh, a standard for that in your life. And you begin to operate from that place of accountability, of acknowledgement, you know, right. And then grace can be applied and then things can be worked through and trauma and all of that can be dissolved and conflict can be resolved easily. And I think it's so profound because it's like I said to you earlier in this conversation that Bo and I had conversation this year with watching things happen. I'm like, is this just like, this is just the way it is? Like, this is just always going to be part of our experience. And inside of me was obviously this initial response of like, no, that's ridiculous. You know, but it's like, how do we do this? How do we change? Well, what happens is you get one or two people like Bo always says that coherence, that agreement, that, that place of like, okay, we agree to come together in this way. And you get two people doing it. And the next thing you know, you've got three people doing it. And then you've got four people doing it. Mm -hmm. And you're building coherence. And you are Well, that's exactly what happened with us <laughs> in our in our relationship and the way that we moved through that um, issue that we had in the beginning, right? Is because we were operating in that same frequency of um, what we were going to allow in the relationship, how we were conducting our relationships, how we were showing up in our relationships. And we... Uh, we all abided by that agreement. 
and we were able to resolve that conflict. Exactly. And when we don't handle each other with integrity and we don't handle each other from an accountable place, that is what perpetuates the trauma in families, in relationships, in communities. And, you know, I, I don't know if I shared this with you or if this was in our Christed priesthood that we talked about kind of like basic templates, like in the Bible, maybe you and I, Danica, were talking I'm about. I'm so glad you're bringing this the, up. I in the like. Bible. I mean, this is like an ancient ritual, like a tribal thing, but it was like, there was an agreement made among certain sects of people that said, if you have an altercation with your brother, you go directly to your brother to address it. And if your brother won't hear you, then take a witness with you the next time, just to be a witness, not to speak to the brother, not to be like, yeah, what he said, just to, just to witness what is happening. <laughs> and if the, they still won't hear you, then you would take them before the council and be like, I've tried to address this many times. This is the issue. And if they won't hear the council's, you know, uh, wisdom in that space, then they would have to be set apart from the group. Right. And so what happens right now today? Little things, little fallouts happen. And immediately it's like you're blocked, you're cut off, you're out with no word, with no interaction whatsoever, with no opportunity to rectify a situation or bring understanding. And it's because people don't want to understand. They just want to sit in their trauma, you know, and be right. And so this does not a healthy environment make. Can you imagine? This is what happens in families. This is what happens in family units. There's no conflict resolution. People are just cutting each other off. It's that cancel culture that you talked about before, Danica. And so we are not here to perpetuate that. We're here to perpetuate wholeness. And so in order to do that, we have to start somewhere that we can all come to a place of agreement and say, this is how we're going to handle ourselves. This is how we're going to handle each other out of respect for our space, out of respect for our relationship. And it's what I said recently. I don't know if I was who I was saying this to, um, but I was just talking about having intentional relationships. You know, um, a lot of the work, I mean, all the work that we do and, and what we share here is centered around devotion. It's founded in devotion. And most people don't know what that is. I mean, they, they really don't. They use the word a lot, but I know by their actions that they don't know what that is. There are people using the word devotion like they know it. And then I see how they treat each other. And I'm like, no you're, you're off <laughs> on this one. And so it's like, we got to come back into relationship with that. And then from there begin to build these kinds of healing communities, these kinds of healing spaces. And it really starts with us though, because you said something like how we handle ourselves, how are we crossing our own boundaries? How are we incongruent with the way that we present ourselves and how we actually conduct ourselves? So there really needs to be a state of coherence within the individual as well. How are we honoring our own agreements? Yep. Yes. Chloe that's, talks about this that's a lot. That's a little clip right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little clip. We're going to remember that one. <laughs> That's a soundbite. <laughs> That's a little clip. Um, yeah, because it's so true. Bo says this all the time to me. And he's like, you know, where where are we doing things that are betraying our own selves? And I'm like, mm, I don't like to look at it. But I have mm -hmm. to do a lot of times, you know, like, oh, yeah, like it's, I am betraying myself. In that it's way. not easy. Yeah. And sometimes there's a what feels like a harsh reality. But with what we have learned in even the hardest truths that we have faced before um, up to this point, 
uh, is that although not easy, it always does bring the way out of the suffering. It always brings relief on some level. So, you know, whenever I am resisting accountability in any situation and I want so badly to not have anything to do with what just happened, mm-hmm. um, even especially as a man, I think this is different too, but the masculine energy, like I said, is like, it can always be traced back to a leak. Mm-hmm. Any distortion, distortion is not possible if the masculine energy is not compromised. Mm-hmm. That's what a leak is. It's anywhere that the masculine energy is compromised. So that can happen with men and women. Mm-hmm. But in our situation, most of the time that ends up falling in the embodied masculine, which is me. And so it's always like, the more I can lean in to the conflict, not perpetuate the conflict or speak from a wound or <laughs> traumatize somebody else, but lean into truly wanting to understand what's going on here and see it for what it is in the clarity that it, that I can see it from. It's like, I always find relief there. The more I am convincing myself trying to convince myself and sometimes i really am convinced that i had nothing to do with that mm-hmm. and there are probably times that i do you know maybe but i can always find something and it's not about putting myself under a microscope but and that's not what we're saying but in any conflict there's something that was created there i mean and usually it's two or more uh that have a part in it so for each person it's our responsibility to just lean into not only what we're feeling honestly, but the truth to see outside of our own, the lens of our own wounding to where we can see the solution. And it helps detach us from the pain and the wounding Mm -hmm. helps to alchemize that. Not that we're bypassing the feeling, but we're detaching from the trauma response and we're not anchored into that anymore. And that's how we actually heal. Because if I cause harm and I say, yeah, I caused harm and I don't actually know how, then (laughs) it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And it's until I know how that actually happened energetically at the, at the core level that I'll be able to change. It's, it's only once I understand it from there, I'll be able to really change the energetic dynamic. So that's on each of us. Yeah. One thing that I want to add here is that, um, you know, and I, I speak for myself, but obviously I feel like I, I am in alignment with both of you whenever I say this, is that we're bringing this up not to, you know, um, call out anything or to participate in any sort of dragging, but we genuinely really want a healthy and thriving community. And so I feel like being able to identify these things um, that we're talking about, um, and even having these types of conversations around them is going to build a foundation of um, kind of cleaning up, cleaning up the community, cleaning up, cleaning up the energy, restoring boundaries, restoring healthy boundaries and honoring healthy boundaries and uh, honoring the agreements that we made whenever we entered into this community and helped to uphold them, restore them and uphold them. And, um, you know, my my biggest hope is to see this community thrive and people really experience deep uh, spiritual healing through their individual relationship with God. And um, 
And the only way that we can really do that is to stop the manipulation that's happening in the community to, to stop this, uh, I mean, yeah, that, I don't really have anything else to say. I mean, stop the manipulation. Stop, uh, just stop doing what we're doing here, like in this community collectively and and really just focus on healing and relationship with God and stop meddling around and all this other stuff, playing in these other matrices and playing in these other timelines and fantasies and, uh, you know, mucking up our relationships with people and um, dishonoring boundaries. We've got to get it together. And I want to see this community as something that's healthy and thriving. And I want to be a part of it. I want to see it happen. Right. Yeah. And we do too. And absolutely, we totally echo your sentiments because um, it's what we're here for. You know, it's why we're even doing what we do. I mean, what what would be the point otherwise, you know? And, um, and we've had so many wonderful connections. We've met so many amazing people and we have great relationships in so many instances. And, um, yeah, I, it is that place of like what you said, Danica, like just cleaning up the space, you know, cleaning it up and, and not letting this leaky, messy energy continue. Um, and also doing it with as much care as we can while, while also not sugarcoating anything. It's just such a, it's such a a balance of all the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think both of what you guys just said was like um, well said and it feels very complete too. I think understanding the agreements that we are in is a good place to start. Even looking at our own personal relationships. I mean, that was what it was for me was like, that's what this has revealed so much of that was so hard to look at because I started to see those micro agreements Uh, And it's been called consent too, but it's like, what am I getting out of every single relationship? I mean, even just starting with the core ones or the ones that you feel closest to in said communities or in family dynamics is like, what role am I playing in this and what am I getting out of it? You know, because that will start to shed some light. I mean, that's beginning to do the real work. If we're really honest with ourselves and we look at, what is beneficial that I'm getting out of this? What am I getting out of this? That's enabling me to spin in this wound or enabling me to uh, remain in my avoidance of my denial patterns, you know, or, or uh, more clinically speaking, my attachment styles. <laughs> <laughs> I say codependence, codependency, but a clinical therapist from a westernized medicine would be like, no, codependency doesn't exist. It's an attachment style. So there you go. Bring them both to the table and guys <laughs> decide for yourselves. <laughs> I guess my final thought here um, is if your spiritual practice is leaving you disembodied or confused or fractured or fragmented or um, creating uh, division, (laughs) then is it a spiritual practice? Like, are you really healing? Yes. Right. (laughs) It's like, what's the point of it then at that point? You know? Food for thought. Yep. Final thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on that note, 
Let's we'll simmer on that just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, a bunch of good stuff in this episode and it ran a little longer, but it was well, well worth it. And that's what this space is for. And we're just so grateful for um, the support and the encouragement and the participation that we've experienced in doing this, mm-hmm. being on episode five and just seeing response coming through a lot of positive response, a lot of positive feedback and just so much love and support from our friends and people that we're connected to. It's just been overwhelmingly amazing. Mm -hmm. A lot of thoughtful interaction has uh, been a result of this podcast. So (laughs) all right. And on that note, we'll leave you with that. 